All right, we are live. Welcome to another episode of Scoutcast. My name is Rolf Suit, and I'm your host. And I'm today, you know, flanked or joined by two of my colleagues here in the studio, actually, for the first time in 24 podcasts. We have a studio. This is, this, this is the Roasting Marshmallow Studios for now. Yeah. How do you guys like the decor? Is it, yeah? Pretty. Yeah. Missing yeah. nice pictures here and there, but... Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, so, you know, when, uh, when people outside of the IT industry ask uh, me what kind of work I do, I usually try to explain about software development and the types of client that I, that I work for. And then they usually summarize it like this. So, do you sit at a computer all day? Can you maybe fix my laptop? It's so slow. <laughs> so, you know, the image that non-IT people often have about the IT crowd is a room full of guys in shorts and slippers drinking coffee and watching text fly by on, on terminals, you know four, five, six monitors at the same time, talking about the latest sci-fi shows. And, uh, you know, even with people growing up nowadays uh, not knowing a world without the internet, the gap between technical and non-technical people seem to be as large as ever. Uh, on the work floor, these people need to collaborate, actually, to get the best product out there. So there is uh, a little bit of a mismatch there still. So today we are roasting some marshmallows with uh, Neil Stylens, and he is, among other stuff, working on a blog series called Dear Non-IT People where he explains seemingly complex IT-related concepts to people who are not so much in the know. Uh, for Niels, the most important thing uh, is, uh, is creating the best possible products and services, whether it's agile portfolio management or continuous delivery, DevOps transitions or project management. He always looks for optimizing the whole. And Niels, you consider yourself a problem solver. So uh, welcome to the show, man. Well, thank you. Hey. Hi. Now I only now I heard I'm the twenty fourth. I think so. Yeah. yeah, this is episode number twenty four. Yep. But we've we've also had some uh, some shows without guests, so you're not the twenty fourth oh. guest. I'm guessing like yeah. the I don't know number sixteen or seventeen yeah. or something. No. Yeah. So does that make you feel uh, sad that you're not the first <laughs> one? No, it, it, I feel uh, evenly more important now. Yeah, <laughs> man, you're uh, among a select few of uh, elite people. Yeah. So uh, I, I couldn't yeah. help but notice on your LinkedIn that you've uh, studied at the Hans Hogeschool in Groningen, and uh, I studied there as well. So what, what year did you uh, study there? That's too long ago. Oh. I'm 46 now. Man. Oh. I don't remember. It was oh. conservatorium. It was a, it was a while ago, but uh, I didn't finish it. Okay. I, uh, I, I was um, at conservatorium. I want to become so, like, a great guitar. guitarist. Oh, hmm? guitar. Yeah, playing guitar at uh, light. Uh, okay. Yeah. So you have some problems there, or what? No, I I just didn't see myself becoming a music teacher or a guitar teacher. I wanted to become a rock star, you know. And... <laughs> oh, so you became like a, this famous recruiter, like called rock star developer. So that's why you decided to join. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will call them. Yeah. No, it was not my uh, my. Um... Destiny. So yeah. I went and, and then I started working in factories and stuff just to make ends meet. And then after a while, I got in touch with someone who used the Atari for creating uh, digital uh, music with uh, Cubase. It was still on a floppy oh. disk. Yeah. And from there on, I started uh, improving my uh, skills in uh, with computers, buy and build computers. You know, build them with the old big sound cards. Yeah. And from there, I. Uh, did some graphical stuff, and you know, you know, most of us re we roll into the industry. So, do you still play the guitar or not? Yeah, yeah, not often. It's a uh, on and on. Like oh. then, I, uh, I I will play for a couple of weeks. 
record and you know uh, mainly JS standards and then uh, record and try to improve. But after a while, I, I found out that I have I have the same uh, creativity in my in IT as in music. It's about creating stuff. This is really interesting for me. Yeah. So if there's a lack of creativity in my job, I will tend to do more musical things and creating beats. I uh, learned that stuff uh, a couple of years ago a bit more. I have the, the drum uh, pads here. With MPC or uh, something else? Akai? No, no, just the Akai thing. Yeah, the MPK probably. Yeah, man. Yes. I know that stuff, actually. Uh, yeah. Because, because this was, for, for me, was magic. Like if you if you would look at Jay Dilla and stuff and how they programmed the samples. And I was just looking at the samples more as a musical thing. But yeah. it's more just like a rhythmic thing. So, yeah, it's also yeah. studying there. Like, okay. So very diverse yes. what you're doing then, I suppose. Yeah. Because, like, in your professional life, what is it that you're doing right now? Um, well, now I'm uh, at the interim, I'm a chief product owner for a startup, logistics startup, Simply Deliver. Uh, and I'm starting another um, yeah, kind of DevOps consultancy job again. Just more uh, okay. coaching. And what and what drove you to to start writing like the dear non-IT people articles? What was yeah, the goal? I guess all of us all of us have seen um, transformations or um, big changes, right, from IT. And uh, I always struggled with the idea. Like um, like eight years ago, we we had companies we were going to transform to DevOps, mm -hmm. and there was a lot of money involved. And um, I'm, I, I kind of like to look at IT and business like a, like a garage, like we, we have the shop, we need to have the, the, the tools are need to be in order. Mm -hmm. You don't have to pay me for the tools. This is my stuff, right? This is my shop. Yep. But then with de DevOps transitions, without explanations, we could postpone stuff for business. Like, yeah, the next six months, we, we, are not, we're, we will not be able to deliver stuff because we have to implement some stuff. Yeah, I've seen the same thing over and over again, and then and then people from outside IT they often say like, yeah, well, we have to wait for this magical thing, you know, because when the magical thing appears, life will be good. Yeah, but then and they're quite afraid to ask, what is this thing? And IT people won't, won't we won't explain it. The same thing is going on with uh, Kubernetes or something because from IT perspectives, we really need it. Yeah. But from a business perspective, that is the that is that is the big question. We if we would ask people like if this is really worth it, I I don't think they will say yes. Right, but this is not limited to like these new technical things either, right? No. Because like a lot of companies will also say like, well, wait till we reorganize all the teams, and then everything will become crystal clear for everyone, and it'll be super yeah, uh, yeah super clear about what you yeah. guys will be need to do. Just wait until we do this or that. So uh, yeah, it's I don't think it's yeah. just the latest no, technology it's over. no but it's it's also a process like you said this it was the this first agile transitions like oh we have to do everything uh, on a different way and everything mm -hmm. will become we always promise that life will be better after this change then after oh, agile, sense, we... right? <laughs> so like what, what is the reason yeah, why it makes think, sense. What, what is the reason why do you think then that those companies that you worked for or like uh, that those devops or agile transformation did not work. Have you ever seen one of them working? 
No, but then then you also think then it was finished or something. Like we do this DevOps transition and then it's done. And then we, I mean, this is also a farce. Yeah, so basically but, they never end and they, they treat them as just being something they buy and then it's over and then, uh, but like yeah. from point of view, it should never finish it. No, um, but the same thing is like the, this, the new promise then is like blockchain or or now it's low code and no code. I mean, they re reoccur and yeah. yeah, I think we have a like obligation to explain to people what it really is because it will never solve all your problems. And maybe it's, n it's, it's nothing like the stuff you really need so, what, from a business perspective. So you said uh, earlier that you're a chief product owner or something. Am I correct? Chief? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you do things differently yeah. now then? Because you've seen it fail everywhere. Like people talk about IT and uh, well, buy DevOps for six months and, and well, you're yeah. at the product right now. Well, the, th the thing is, it's pretty much a startup. So the, the whole um, challenge there is setting up stuff, starting with processes and, and uh, writing proper uh, acceptance criteria and having a proper flow, how we get ideas to production. And is it different and from there on? How is the difference? It should not be different. Okay. It, it should not have to be different, but we don't have a really big change planned. We just pick up the stuff, the biggest bottleneck, and we solve it, and then we continue to the next one. So you're saying big companies don't do that? No, often they don't. <laughs> what is it that they what is it that they do then just going through the motions or... no, i think they they follow they do something often that another company is doing like without regarding what is the real benefit like if you guys maybe you work at a at a company like insurance or pensions and stuff and then a lot of focus is being uh, brought to um, behave like uh, Spotify and a Netflix and an AWS, like because speed of delivery is of the, is, is the most important thing. But if you regard the whole their whole structure and the whole like even for banks, man, banks are not innovative. It's a bank. You should not. You don't have to deliver new features every day. People will. Mm -hmm. It's not really needed. But we can invest millions in infrastructure. That that only solves this, um, yeah, like this desire to to deliver so this fast. In the end, you do need to deliver as a bank. You need to be innovative. Because yeah. in my mind, I think that's the problem with a bank. I want them to be more innovative because it annoys the crap out of me what they do. Oh. So, yeah, it's just waiting for a disruptor to actually kill them off somehow. Yeah, and I think it's like I I get a part of let's say. A like uh, not delivering features for the sake of delivering features, but then like, how do you look at it from the point of view of like, yeah, all these new banks are showing up really quick with, let's say, full mobile, like everything online and doesn't have to go to an agent. And I think they exist because banks are not, well, being innovative enough, I guess. Yeah, but this is the cool thing, right? This is, this is what I love. So there is room for newer, better banks who yeah, stuff. That is the Fast. argument that the banks nowadays need to be innovative as well, otherwise they will be disrupted. So the speed. Of yeah, the but I don't really. I, I think this is so so difficult for a company like that to become. Why is that innovative? Why do you think it's difficult for them? Well, there. 
a couple of different banks here, right? Somar, this is just their behavior, just the structure, just their their policies, how they how they how they um, uh, are organized. There's a culture there often that is like limiting them. You think and that for me it's not so important. You think that culture is self-imposed, though, because banks are, you know, also subject to rules and regulations from, you know, governments and other things like yeah. because so it's not fair, really, I think, to say like, oh, you know, they're big companies, big corporations uh, and it's their own fault. Right. Or or do you think is it their own fault that they're yeah, doing the self-imposed uh, cargo culture, copying others? I, I don't really mind that they're not innovative. I believe I'm okay with it. Okay. I, I, I am a customer at a, uh, myself. I am a customer at another type of bank who is quickly and innovative and, and, but I don't, I don't think really we, I don't know if we, and we're talking about banks now, but we have different like insurance companies yeah. and stuff. It's yeah. It's this whole mess of legacy and, and, and uh, yeah. a decade old culture. Let's say, let's say if you guys are like a CPO, I think that's how it's called, right? Chief product officer. But then yeah. like, I just curious to understand how you see this. So they make you an offer to work for these big insurance companies and they have all this legacy you get to become in that position. And then the board basically say, hey, we have to innovate. And then your answer would be, wow, we do not need to. We should just be no. Because that's what I'm no. understanding how you say it. Yeah. Okay. It differs. Maybe. Maybe in some cases you would be able. You would say that. Uh, yeah. So you actually advise them: do not innovate. No, I, I, I'm just saying I don't care too much about big, really big companies. Maybe anymore right. for a while. Right. Yeah, because of this reason. Yeah, and yeah. and we did like we did some we did some stuff there. It was pretty cool and we were pretty fast in some some cases and um, but in the whole structure for me it has no not so much meaning anymore and then okay so then if you go to let's say smaller companies or startups like how how you are the ones you yeah. are working now like how do you organize the process that they can let's say innovate enough or learn quick enough to, in order to basically well survive or let's say maybe you can elaborate how does it make sense for you in a smaller company the innovativeness. Um, well, it kind of depends on the product, I think. Like some products are really innovative and some people are like, uh, from which perspective? Is the business proposition really innovative or is it like technical, technically really innovative? This is, a, this is, if it, this is a difference and this is maybe the, also one of the things why I start thinking about the Dear Non IT uh, people blocks like mm -hmm. there's a big difference like we don't have to, we i kind of have the feeling we always translate this to technical solutions yeah you uh, understand yeah. so i yeah. think a bank should be innovative but maybe this is the the thing they should be innovative in their means in their products and they, yeah. they should not necessarily have anything to do with how we fix that in the end yeah okay i, I and this I, is I and i think that this is the thing that we are doing. Like we're forgetting this majorly important part, and we always stand that we start at the end. Yeah. Yeah, you see that at a lot of companies where they, uh, where teams, 
you know, they make like uh, stories, user stories, but basically they're just making a story where they implement some sort of technical feature and that focus on the desired outcome. Is that, that, that is what you're saying? Yeah, we, we don't, we often do not even know what the objectives are, right? Right, exactly. Like, yeah, um, but for instance, like, like um, what really um, uh, hurts me is a company, a tech, the tech, the IT department decides to uh, switch to something. Like, oh, we need other other uh, technical capabilities. We need to go to containers, or we want to have a monorepo, or some mm -hmm. some fat, because often they follow bigger companies, right? Yeah. And then the message to the business is, well, before we have this in place, we you won't be able to add new features. Yeah. Like this is for me is the most annoying thing because um, we're still not there, right? The the this is my perception. Like the whole, um, the, our basic I, products are not that good, and the the the, the, the they're all also not so exciting. Like yeah. really basic stuff. We're struggling with the basics still, with basic stuff like Could forms. You, can you give an example? Maybe. Like, did you ever? Did you recently move? One of you? No, not recently. Not me. Well, I did though. Yeah. I, there was a, I, I moved three years ago and I had a really hard time changing my address in some systems. Like I just made screenshot after screenshot of stupid error. Like, <laughs> and this, this is like crud stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. It's just the update of my, and, and still companies are not managing this really basic. It's yeah, really, yeah. this is the stuff you start building when you start programming. And we still have uh, issues there and then we talk about innovative stuff. I think, well, we have still a lot of stuff to do in most companies. And then we will not be able to solve this with any technique in the end. No, no I agree with you. And we, I, I think I started experiencing this as well. Uh, I started using those password managers, you know, and then I create a password very yeah. big, very complex, and uh, and then, yeah. then work on the web. But then I go on a more mobile device, and then it doesn't work. Yeah. So I cannot log in, and then I realize it's because of special characters that it works on a browser but doesn't work on a mobile device, you know. And then oh I agree God. with you: like Kubernetes is not going to solve your problem, trunk-based development is never going to solve your problem. None of the technical, let's say, discussions ever going to solve this because this is basically just customer care, right? It's just like caring that at least you're delivering the right functionality for your yep. your customer. So I can understand what you mean by there is no point of innovating if we cannot even do the basic first and uh, yeah looking from that point of view is pretty sad indeed mm -hmm. <laughs> i tried changing my password at the belasting links and i just quit <laughs> I, just up. I i just i really haven't i i just yeah so you can already you see it annoys the hell out of me yeah and then with all this discussion about we um delivering value to customers and, and we have to do it speedy. And, and this is true. I, I believe in this stuff, right? It's not that I don't believe that you should be able to deliver fast, whether it's just to make sure that you're able to do it. But we we have a tendency to go this way as IT. Yeah. Uh, and and we, st because this is the, the struggle we have been having from, from the beginning, right? It's the product ownership is often the thing we, we blame or yeah. this is the person we, we, we send away like, yeah, you have to do this. 
Yeah, yeah some of these uh, guys get the blame, like, oh, these dudes are developing way too slow or it's full of bugs. These guys suck. You know, we need to hire better developers. Yeah, yeah. but that's true. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this concludes our episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think I think there is, a, I think the lack of, uh, mm. at least my observation work with a lot of different customers, I think the lack of this quality on understanding, it's across everywhere, right? Let's say, we get, I agree with you, developers are too much focused on the shiny new thing. And then there is management focus on how to copy the process from this next big company. But like yeah. Lisa experienced quite a lot of product owners that are basically not product owners, never understood about product. Yeah. They basically try to be what I think what we call like the waiters product owner, right? They get a requirement yeah. from some side and say, hey, guys, you should build this. Yeah. And then the discussion is totally like not understanding what they're point of it is even there to be made why they, yeah. make it, yeah. why they make it what is the use case or why the user yeah. is relevant and i think it's uh, i think the sadness is across the whole let's say landscape is not only on the it side yeah. but i think it's also on the yeah business side if you if yeah. i don't think should have sides but i think it's also like uh, yeah they are lacking understanding what they're actually delivering as a product. Right, because we're even talking as IT. Because when you ask them like why we're we building this, the answer usually is because the business wants. Yes. It. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you and ask like, them like, who's the business? Who's the business? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then say, yeah, my stakeholders. And say, oh, can I see this? Can I see your stakeholder map or your, you know, a stakeholder map is also a thing that is own, own, it's a momentual. It's a, it's, a, it's a snapshot of the moment exactly. because you have some goals, but then say, yeah, my stakeholder is the, the, she and, and the person there. I said, this is really, but do, what do you guys think? Because I, I stopped having these discussions about um, um, product ownership and I just started to also there write a lot of blogs like, oh, this is, an, this is a concept you could use to bring ideas to production even right acceptance criteria, right user flows and stuff. So I try to help people. And for me, it, it works kind of way. But after 10 years of these discussions, don't you think we just, it's not like working out? If, if I ask anyone, how many proper product owners did you ever meet? Mm -hmm. one. Often people say, yeah, three, one. I mean, yeah. shouldn't we as a community, if we are like a DevOps, shouldn't we reconsider this thing Instead of saying, yeah, we are, we inspect and adapt, but this role that never, that rarely is being fulfilled, but yeah, well, we keep it. Sounds like you Do lost you understand? <laughs> You're pretty huh? demotivated. <laughs> but is it maybe because no, we I think... have too much faith in one person? Maybe we should be more involved as developers as well in the, in developing the product and not just saying like, well, you know, it's the product owner that needs to figure it out. It's not my problem. Like, is that, is that fair to do? hundred percent because we cannot sit here. And like I said, I am, I am, I was uh, developing product owner trainings from way the first scrum projects, because I saw this is not going to work. Of course we should help this person, but it seems like we, as a, industry have more interest in the technical stuff than in the hard yeah. stuff. Like, because I, I, you remember like 15 years ago, people said, yeah, bridging the gap between business and IT. This is the yeah. hardest thing that there is, I think. Yeah, but no, I agree. Yeah. Keeping but this role and, and. But like, that's the question, yeah. like, uh, uh, because I think I agree with you. And I mean, that's what we try to do. Right. And it's like, that's why we coach companies and teams and everything. 
But I, I, I believe that uh, the main issue unrelated to that is that they exclude themselves of the team, right? They think they are business oh. and there is IT. I think until they think this is two separate words and that they are not trying to basically achieve the same outcome together, I think this is always going to be the case. I think it starts from, let's say, from the management or for the leadership, basically saying like, look, we are here to achieve one goal. We are all working as one and your role is part of understanding better product. But until they do not make that distinction, I think it's never going to work. It's just like, uh, I guess, the same story with doctors and nurses, right? They're still there to help, but somehow they have clear distinction and they don't help each other to grow because they have different jobs. But for instance, right, if we, we go to a company and say, well, there's this major, we want to have more speed, but we know where to start, right? We look at versioning, and if people don't know, still you run into a lot of companies who have to learn. We will show people how it works. We will give a workshop. We will sit next to them, hands-on, do some stuff. Same for mm -hmm. test automation. Have you ever seen people do that with product owners? No, no. Like not talk the talk, like, yeah, product owner, you should, and this, and this, and all. Then the, the, do you see people sit next to the product owner? Say, well, because it's really, um, I think it's like they're like the, the strange duck in the team. So often I think they feel really um, insecure, especially if you have, you have a strong IT. But I rarely see people helping product owners hands-on with stuff they need to do. Maybe because they're not experienced people in a, enough around to help them. Because it's one of the Yeah, but then... <clears throat> yeah. You don't think so? So... I don't know, but then, then we're implementing this whole model, and but we are not, you know, this is a, it's a bad thing, I think. And then who should who should help out this this product owner? Is it development, or is it also you know people from above maybe that needs to sit down with the product owner, or is it uh, on a day-to-day -day basis with the entire team, or how, how how do you see this in practice? Well, there's a thing if you are. A, an agile team and then you, you 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 say you deliver value you have a response responsibility with all of you to deliver this value so it's up to all of us maybe and and and, and maybe you have to get uh, outside help but i would mm -hmm. love to see more it teams become better in assisting product owner yeah and like we've been for example been pushing mob programming where you sit down with the entire team including the product yeah. owner to to like just sit at one so screen, build, build yeah. features. But I've seen yeah. product owners excluding themselves from, from this practice. Like, well, yeah, yeah, I know, I know about the concept, but it's just yeah. not, uh, um, not yeah. yeah, they feel it's a waste of their time or yeah. something, which to me, it just blows my mind. Right. Because we're, we're, yeah, building no, no, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But also depends it's the same thing with, uh, with the, uh, the uh, domain driven design. It's also like, it's a brilliant thing, but I, I, I don't see the connection to the business. I think it's way too sounds maybe too technical and but I've seen the the, the behavior also sometimes but yeah but how do we convince a, a product owner then that it's that this, that this is useful can we convince them or what, what should the conversation be well if most of I them. think you can request more as a team right 
you you should be able as a team to demand stuff from your product owner like we we can like a user story what is it i mean what is it even a user story like mm -hmm. this is not enough for us we need the user flows you have to write acceptance criteria amen and if you write them properly we can automate i mean often teams are are also like a bit like yeah the product owner doesn't write proper user stories well if we know how to write proper user stories we should Okay. help this person write proper use stories i'm not sure if that's relevant to be honest because in the end the user story is just a functionality but it still doesn't say it's going to have a great outcome yes or no no matter how big the story is going to no. be and that's the thing with product owners they rather just push a lot of stuff down the team and then yeah just fix those features and move on yeah and you can push and back it's also a disease yeah so I pushed back a few times, like, okay, why should we even do this, like this, this functionality? And usually I don't even get a clear answer, which for me totally defeats the point to even talk about acceptance criteria, because yeah, if there's no value to the consumer, why even build it? And I think that's the part where product owners or product managers need the most help to actually understand that concept. But yeah, usually it's not really, uh, organizations don't, well, my experience don't really like that, that pushback. Because, well, then you go back to who decides what actually is going to be built, and that's probably somebody high up. Then, yeah, they have to go through them. So they rather say no to me than to no to somebody up the chain. Yeah, so basically the problem is they are actually not exercising the role of a product owner. Yep. They are basically a proxy to somebody else that basically don't fully understand product. And then that's where, let's say, the, the disease, if we like quote Niels, is actually, in my eyes, are... Like they are just basically proxying some wishes from well stakeholders of the business, and they don't really understand because I think this discussion about like uh, like when developers complain like ah they did not write a good user story. Yeah. I what I found fascinating is because in my eyes it should not even be written anything. It should just be a title and Towards. a product owner basically explaining how a lot of things happen. Yeah. Then they get the context the and then they ah oh, let's find a solution for this problem. But now. It's so like still in this idea of a user story is just like a requirement that they want to implement without yeah, thinking. True. So I think this mismatch is like in every level mm. that I agree that I think the team should tackle that, but it goes back to the problem of like a lot of them, they were not even, let's say, they never had the experience of building a product. Yeah. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a hard problem. To solve. And I think yeah. it even goes further because most IT people are struggling with the job itself. like actually understanding IT, let alone think about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You need to learn so many tools nowadays. So pushing back on the product so, owner, yeah, sure. But uh... And so you mentioned that you have had one decent or good product yeah. owner. Yeah. Like, so this was a person who made these kinds of... Like, was it me? Was it? No. <laughs> Sorry, that was not was you. Was it me? <laughs> you you meant me, right? <laughs> but what did this person uh, do right then? Uh, so for me, the perfect example was like uh, what he did, right? He never, ever opened a Jira board to me and opened a user story. Okay, he had a post-it and he said, we need this done. This is the reason. This is the context. Figure it out. Yeah, cool. Like he never asked, how long does it take? How much effort is it? He just gave me a clear priority because of a deadline or a context. And he got out of the way. And we as a team, we discuss, we got like, look. If you want to get this done by that date, we need to do this first. If we have time, we increment. Mm. 
And every single time, that's what we did. We made decisions based on that deadline that was a total, like, make sense deadline. So just as an example was uh, they hired a third-party company to use the API that we are providing, and it was for, like, a Sinta class, like, uh, times. Mm -hmm. So that means if the product was not live, nobody could actually buy products. So let's say it was not a fake mm -hmm. deadline. So he never lied to us. He never made this uh, idea that, oh, let's put pressure on developers and make this fake deadline. Mm -hmm. So it was very true context, true business reasons, and he let us to figure out the problem. And every time we had a question, he was there to answer. So I think for me, this is like yep. the perfect case. You know, you treat us as a team that can actually solve, solve the problem. And I think that's how every product owner should be. Yeah, but that's interesting, right? If you're talking about more, more programming, for example, if, if this guy went out of the way and let you guys, you know, do it, he was not involved with the team as such then, no. apart from answering questions yeah. whenever you had them. No, but like, so, like, for example, what I see why I think he was also good, like, for example, this third-party company who was actually building this product, he was not proxying us. He put us in contact with them and, like, right. figured it out, okay. you know? And, of course, if he had any question or escalation or whatever, he would solve it. But mostly he was connecting us to the right people, so he was not being in between right. us, what I see a lot of the time. Like, developers never spoke to a customer because it goes for the product owner that talks yeah. to stakeholders and talk to the customer. So I think that's why I would judge him that the best product on our ever yeah, worked yeah. with. Yeah. So that was not you, Niels. So you want to <laughs> elaborate why you weren't the best product on our <laughs> Nonsense. Hey, but, but I have a question for you, Enrique. Like, maybe this is also because I've seen the most high-end pipelines and stuff and companies who had the least uh, amount of uh, connection with business. Did, did you sometimes wonder like for this person right this proper product owner yeah. who could who could give you objectives and uh, and uh, deadlines because did you then always strive for the most simple simple solution the most powerful thing for for this person or did you start wondering about every, all the nifty techniques you've never used before uh so to be truly honest i think it was a mix uh, when the deadlines, let's say, were big, we allowed ourselves more time to play with, uh, with technology. So in the time we were like researching for like reactive technology, so we actually had time to pilot some things with like Rx Java, Akka. Yeah, okay. and, uh, so it was like a bit of uh, like, uh, yeah, we had our time to do our research, but then we automatically like we were checking ourselves like, okay, there was nobody forcing us to you know, you should stop it now, we should time box. That was something that we consciously decided, no, yeah. like, we have done enough, yeah. now we need to move on, you know? And uh, because we knew that the deadline was real. And then... Uh, yeah, but did you play around with the technique just to see if it fits the purpose? Yes. Yeah, okay. So it was like, a, what was the best fit yeah. for us on that time with the team we had, with the contacts we had, yeah. and uh, with the time frame we had. And did you go to the product owner for maybe a set of... Um, yeah, how do you say conditions like okay you know can you give us some metrics or something so that we know what we need to validate these ideas against we did not have to ask because the context was quite clear, clear enough. like uh, uh the, the the market is growing we're expecting 25 percent more users in the upcoming three months yeah and this is the numbers right now so you should estimate at least the the is going to double in a year. Yeah. So that was the, the numbers that he gave as a context for us. In order why the pro, like we yeah. should even build it in the first place. Yeah. 
So we're talking a lot about product owners and stuff, but I'm guessing you know the the, the issue or the problem is at all layers in the in the in the company uh, because I, I do also see developers, for example, pushing uh, certain you know technology technology to a product owner saying like, hey, we need to do this, and you know a lot of the times product owners may not have enough uh, you know technical baggage to really say like, well, you should or should not do this. How do you yeah. how do you view that? Like, should a should a product owner push back on on development as well as development pushing back on a product owner? No, no. But the, <laughs> you see this. You all have been in these big companies, and you see the technology being used like half pieces of this in this framework. This is like resume building. People yeah. temporarily people who want to use some kind of thing. This is really um, it's a really bad thing because we often found these like structures of uh, mismatched technology like this product owner doesn't he, he or she shouldn't have to care about technology yeah. if this person could tell us the objectives the whole the whole thing is working if we can get some objectives and if they're measurable we are good to go so we can find solutions and if you cannot give a, um, this is what, especially when, when you said like this product owner, if, if this person gives you like a kind of metric or a desire, like yeah. I would really would like this to happen, we, this would be my perfect world. Yeah. And I think the and we, we won't think about other stuff then. Hmm? And I think the perfect word for every developer, I think in the end, I think every developer also wants that. They just want a very clear objective and like get out of the way, make it happen. I think every team yeah. would love that. The question is why it doesn't happen? Yeah. <laughs> why is it so hard? You know what is really hard? Like, uh, I, I, you used to know we, me and Hilke, we, we created a product, right? It, co it was called Garrett. Um, our dream was like, it is so, we thought we, we solved every problem in the universe. But like, we wanted just to validate the, the objectives against the outcomes. This is the perfect world. And this is the only thing you would give to a team. Um, and I think then use Dora metrics to improve. And this would be really cool. Um, and then I found out there was one conversation with a really big bank in Germany. And, and the guy said, oh, man, I really love your idea. But it's not going to happen, man. Because people here, they are not going to, to, to speak out their, their, their uh, expectations. I mean, their boss is going to chew their head off. I'm like, oh, of course. Yeah, this is this is really ignorant of me. <laughs> and then, you know, and then in the places where it is possible, then people say, yeah, I don't know. No, but you don't have to know. Just give us your desire. 40%? No, I don't know. Yeah. But I don't know. But yeah, this is maybe people think there will be... Um, be accountable for this desire and partly it is but you know the first one you will never know it's like velocity i don't know it's the first uh, sprint you you have no clue what is what right mm -hmm. and the same should be with uh, some objectives i guess so who do you but, think uh, yeah should bring? is it something the product owner should bring or how do you see this these objectives yeah, yeah of course but you, he or she has to gather them like this is why you talk to stakeholders. Like this is this is I think most this is maybe the crucial thing of product ownership is determining these objectives and you have to gather them 
gathering them from the the company strategy and and from your users and you gather them from data but you need to have some ten, tangible stuff we can create yeah, we can I, measure i mean i do think like because okay now we are let's say in a way bashing on the product owners we ever met so you product owner that uh, was my best product owner if you are listening you know who you are everybody else probably oh that's me <laughs> but uh <laughs> i think they have a hard job like if you think about because they need to figure out a lot of hypotheses to try and a lot of uh, directions to go and there is like so much time that you can actually invest and figure out all of that right and i think there is a lot of bias and there is a lot of push from stakeholders and customers who pays more money yeah. and customers who pays less money and they guess uh yeah i think overall it is a hard job but i would go back to yeah. the point that you mentioned in the beginning the developers are not doing their job right with simple things i think the product owners are not doing their job right with simple things you know without even talking about all those complicated things yeah. they're mm -hmm. not even getting the basic right yeah, true. and you guys need to get your shit together everybody needs to get this shit together but we cannot expect people to just magically become product owner with if you like if you look at the their training portfolio for instance is in the scrum guide is one paragraph like yeah, yeah you should manage stakeholders and a backlog i don't give a damn about the backlog if yeah. you can draw stuff like if if a product owner could draw his desires make a mm -hmm. make a like a wireframe like or i don't know that would be perfect for me because we have a meaningful discussion about something that is real instead of typing it in a, in a, in a system. I, so, I really don't care about that system. So product owners should go to art school then and really learn to draw. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it has to good. have the, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, it's a really highly creative thing. Yeah. And I, I I also think that uh, because I've been reading this book about uh, making the best product possible by uh, uh, Miss Torres, I think her name was, Teresa right? Torres. Yeah, Teresa Torres. And um, she also advocates like talking to your customers like on a monthly basis, basically, and making drawings out of that, like, you know, several drawings, not just one summarizing the talk, but also mapping out the opportunity space, mapping out, you know, how you think the customers experience your product, like just keep drawing, drawing, drawing. Because yeah, it's easier to visualize it than to read it in in, in text. Would you would you also, uh, well, you basically just said right that it's also your preferred way of uh, visualizing things, making making drawings. Uh, so you guys asked me like, uh, what what do we then, what do we do different? Like for instance, at simply deliver, where mm -hmm. changes can be applied really quickly. But the first thing we did is like we have this uh, we have for each component we have a product vision. And then for each epic, we have an epic goal which, state, which states which problem we are trying to solve for who, for which right. persona. And then we, we state also um, like what is the desired outcome. Um, hard sometimes, right? It's really hard. Yeah. This is something that's really hard sometimes. If it's not usage, it's sometimes really hard, but well, we do it anyway. And then we hard? have to create, well, sometimes some functionality is just, you know, you know that sometimes you also make stuff um, that is really hard to measure or even no i have to think about it <laughs> i can look into i can i can look in some examples later. <laughs> i i guess sometimes i have a really hard time finding out this desired end result but do, do you also have like a sales team sales people 
Yeah. So how do they push yeah. on your uh, priorities? Do they push on your priorities or not? Yeah, strongly. This is this is like there's just there's there's not this really big. You know, if a customer needs something, well, we have to we have to start creating this thing and make it a generic feature. So this is also the nice trade-off continuously. Like are, we don't want to make a custom software. Are they selling stuff that you guys don't have yet? Of course. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> All the time. How yeah. do you feel about that? It's good that you're it's making sales, I guess. Yeah, but this is like, if there's a demand for some functionality, apparently mm -hmm. the market you know, you have to validate it a bit more because yeah. you're not going to make a one-off for one customer. This is the big, the big, big challenge. <laughs> Prevent making custom uh, um, um, features. So, like, uh, but in the you end, only you... have uh, 1,280 feature toggles. No, <laughs> no feature toggles. But this is the, the, the I, I love it, man. I love the, the, the op it's the opposite of uh, the, the, the enterprises, like where money is no, it's, it's, you know, the money is there. They print the money, for instance. <laughs> but here is, you know, it's 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 a different. It's just crazy. Did you guys ever create a feature and then somebody say, ah, yeah, no, no we we don't want it anymore. Just shelf yeah, it. Have you yeah, guys lot, felt the pain of shelving stuff? Yeah, that's not going to happen with the startup. And shelving is a. Then we did something really wrong, and it's so going to affect all of us. What if you do if sales wants a functionality, but it doesn't fit your vision or your, well, doesn't fit your vision of the product? Can you push them back or not? Like, this is going to, this is going to even out a bit. Like in the, we're, we're, not, we're growing, right? So it's a SaaS solution. So the bigger it gets, the heavier this discussion will be. Because now every, the most input is really valuable because it's the, it's the customers we, we're working with. Yeah. So often, if they have a demand, then that is something we we think should fit in the SaaS. And if it really doesn't fit, maybe it should be another project or some product or something. But do they bring like a, a demand or functionality solution, or are they actually bringing the problem? Like, okay, my customers face. Well, this. this why? Yeah, a problem. Okay. Often, or we have to become better. But we ever we have to become better uh, as an industry and. <laughs> going to the root cause or the question behind the question. There's one story I liked. Uh, it's the really hard part of being a product owner, product manager, or whatever, is that actually defining what the priority is if you also have sales, because you hire the sales guys to be really persistent to your customers, but yeah. they also point that same quality inwards. Yeah. <laughs> so your product, as you have, if you're a product owner, if you're salespeople, you're probably going to be butchered quite a lot on the guys like, okay, we need this, you know, we need this, we need this. So I do have some sort of respect for product owners. Like, yeah, managing the stakeholders. I think the salespeople are probably the worst. Yeah. I just wanted to share that. Yeah, it, uh, it, it, it is better than it was five years ago in, uh, in, in general. So you fired half to, of your team. I remember, <laughs> no, I am not here. I'm here only for, not for that amount of time no but like let's say five or eight years ago this was a big struggle man and and um but people also sales people know more about the agile way of working but it was uh sometimes it was man i once went to a company and they had also had a SaaS solution and I asked okay so where is the solution so no it's 28 instances <laughs> 
because of sales like every feature was uh, this is um this is something we have to uh, yeah, yeah so we have to come back from still customer. every customer has a specific uh, yeah this this is our for our this is the night this is the thing we we will prevent and because we yeah, all have I, no uh, i i heard this story recently of uh that uh, they had a system and uh, the users could not log in sometimes because of a bug and they could not fix it. And then the users would be out for like 10 days until the product owner would actually prioritize the developers to fix that bug so that person could have to log in. And it was happening all the time. And one of the developers talking to me like, I don't understand, you know, if a customer cannot log in and they are paying money to use our platform, how is that not a priority? And I think that's the part of, I also do not understand, like how if you are a product owner and you are there to serve your customers, somebody cannot use your product. How is that not a priority? Like the, the person can actually- No, it's it's the worst case. It's the worst <laughs> possible case. Yeah. I don't know. This is maybe, like- Maybe there's something else- Let's think about it, man. Well, then, then you are really deep into it, man. If this is not your biggest problem, people can- <laughs> <laughs> people cannot log in well the the problem behind it is that everybody can see everybody's credentials and shit. yeah that's true. <laughs> and i could yeah <laughs> yeah then i would re remain it like it yeah yeah i so, uh, i sometimes I think... um i'm i'm thinking about it, all this stuff like etail and and um i had discussions with people once like you are a product owner right and you have a you have a live uh, program it's for customers. Customers pay you for it. What is the response time? What is the SLA? What is this? And they say, ah, we don't know. We don't care. But this is, this is a thing in the DevOps community that, that is quite strange, right? Because the team is now responsible for the for development and operations. But we don't know what is agreed upon. Like, yeah. do we need yeah. to respond in one hour or don't we have to respond? What, yeah, I, I imagine some fines there. So. No, but like you can respond in one hour, but you can fix in 10 days. That's also fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. but depends on the document. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you need to have the document. Yeah, yeah but that's true. I yeah, think it's also like a, uh, uh, we are trying to, let's say, merge business and IT to fix that part of product, but there is still this part of sales and uh, selling what has to be agreed on the vision and the team has to own that. So I think there is like a, a lot, of steps. a lot of steps we still need to take to evolve as a successful delivery yeah. companies, I think. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> we will never be ready, uh, finished. Because we're always making, yeah. like moving towards the newest technology, right? So, of course. And if, yeah. we, if we're almost there, we will do some something. Yeah. Then somebody exactly. uh, will come up with a new thing. Like, we need to do something with blockchain. Do you so, guys do something with blockchain? Because you should. No. <laughs> well, we we were putting yeah, this well, podcast from today on a blockchain, yeah, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be an NFT that's going to sell for a lot of money. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, uh, but what, also data lakes. Why not? So, like, yeah, uh, I say the same and low code. Yeah. What be like uh, your guys' tips about like uh, because you guys didn't share what, what was your best product owner experience, but like, what would you say for any product owner that is listening now? Please do do not do this or do that. All of you. Okay. <clears throat> For me, it's uh, don't push down a solution without knowing why you want it and 
without maybe even explaining the problem. Well, just bring the problem down and why you need it solved. So I never bring a solution. Never bring a solution. 100% of the time, never bring a solution. You ask a tip, right? It could be a bit black and white. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> so even if you have a solution, I think you should still bring the problem. Because the solution is usually debatable. Yeah, and for me, it would uh, paint the whole picture. A, a lot of times I see a, a product owner trying to, you know, break it down for, for development in small chunks so that you're only seeing like little specs of the whole of the whole spectrum. So, uh, yeah, I would like I would like to see the whole picture, like where are we and where we're moving to and how are these stories going to help us get there? Strategy. Yeah. yeah. So, Niels, I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I would, I would also say give give the objectives, man. Give give. Yeah. What do we need to achieve? And then we have so many smart people and creative people, and we can solve it. But like this is why I said this story doesn't. I don't care about the, this story. It's, but it's so focused. Like. Yeah. This user story is this most important thing. But. Yeah. Yeah. Not talk to the customer, I would say. Like. And do you guys like? like from from your perspective for for instance because we talk a lot about about products but people were not it educated right mm -hmm. and and this is really also really hard because sometimes um people come with a with a problem to a team and it will result in a discussion of two hours yeah. yeah but i often tell people who are not IT, i say if you have a question if you want something to be solved if the talk is going on more than five or 10 minutes, something is wrong. Something prevents us in fixing stuff. Some architecture thing, some, I don't know. But often if we talk, the more we talk, like <laughs> the less we understand what people are saying. What is your experience with that? And do you mean developers? Like they talk too long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially developer teams. So the, the whole discussion for the non-IT people is like, I don't know what they're saying. It could be Greek yeah. or there's so many words, I don't know. So I, I do have an, well, an idea about that or an opinion anyways. I think um, the developers are held accountable on the wrong things, like on output, for example. So they really push like, okay, you should push these features within these two weeks, for example. I think that's, that's yeah. what really happens. So everything you do, you are being accountable for. So let's say they bring something to the table, the discussion goes two hours because they just don't want to do it. Yeah. They just don't want to do it because they don't get the trust, they don't get, well, and they have to commit on something, they have no idea if it, what the impact is. So you go in a cycle where they just avoid the responsibility. Yeah. And from their perspective, I don't blame them. But, but don't you feel that, that a lot of the times a product owner comes with a problem and then the discussion instantly becomes technical? Like, oh, we can solve yes. that with, you know, we need to set yep. up a Kafka yeah. cluster and then yep. we can, like, and, and to me... This is the thing, exactly. That, yeah, because, you know, I'm a software engineer as well, uh, at, you know, at, in my heart. <laughs> uh, but even that, uh, uh, cheers. But yeah, even that, like, yeah, that shouldn't be the first, the first no. thing you jump on. Like, no. okay, how can we apply this technicality to this, to this problem? Yeah, but that's resume building for yourself, to be honest. You want to have that resume because of long term, because in the end you go to a different company who will actually list all those features because that's the most important thing in the job market right now. So yeah, it makes sense to go technical. Yeah, but then from the developer perspective, but, anyways. But Why then, don't you want to solve the problem if you are being punished by it? But then the developer doesn't care about the product. He doesn't because 
Why so would he? He doesn't have an objective. But then they're at the wrong company, maybe. Or they are aligned wrongly. Yes. Yeah. So that's just my. <laughs> yeah. But but let, again, it's not specific specifically for a product owner. Anyone who goes to an IT person and say, "Can you explain me if it's possible to do do this and that?" and then the discussion will appear of like way too long. No, I think I think it's, without it's a hard the... to do, right? Because it's like there is also the other side, right? Like they say you can just put a button, right? And this button is gonna do an AI super crazy thing. It's just a button. How hard can it be? So I think it is is I think it's a lack of empathy on both sides. Yeah. I think developers they feel like sometimes because I felt that way and I'm also have a software engineer, right? So it's like uh, they come and they kind of talk you down, like, come on, man, you're just a developer, right? It's just a button. How hard oh. can it be? And then you go and you put a smart hat as, and you just try to prove how hard it is. And the other side, yeah, we just think sometimes, I'm saying we, but yeah, we think the developer uh, business is also a bit dumb, like, come on, man, you know, just think a little bit for yourself and you can understand how this works. So I think there is a little bit of lack of empathy on both sides. I think that's more it. And it goes back to what you said. There is not a clear objective that they are both going for. Yeah. Yeah. They don't consider themselves a team. No, I guess. not at yeah. all. It's like they're working for different things, but they are basically yeah. working for the same goal, but they just make the system so badly designed that they are working for different directions. Yeah. For reasons. Yeah. 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 I remember like this, this development manager at a large uh, online retailer. He also said like, well, how hard can it be? Like worst case, you just put a big if statement at the top of the code and just branch into a complete new. No, I am not talking about this because you know this is like I used to program myself, and then they yeah. mentioned some that they like. I I had once once had a guy. He was uh, the director of the company, and there was a Ruby on Rails team, and he started he started explaining to the Rails team like how many lines of code they produced, and the guys were like, "Well, this is the opposite of what we do, man. <laughs> we just it was like this is not a measurement we like. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. yeah, for sure, man. I, I I haven't seen this thing like this talking down. I have seen like really. People really have the, 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 the want to improve this company, coming to IT teams, asking a simple question, have a discussion of two hours about everything you can explain. Everything. Like, and, and often there is something wrong. And, and I think often there's also technically something wrong. Yeah. Wow. So because if we are not it. able to... Hmm? It's also nice to just talk about techniques. Yeah. It's, it's, it's also the hobby for most of those guys, yeah. right? So it's yeah, but this person, to... yeah, but this person comes genuinely with a question. Yeah. Well, this, this guys, this is how we maintain the gap. Yeah. Yeah, it keeps the jobs uh, rolling and uh, everyone gets paid, you know, and uh, the cycle continues. Yeah. So I guess the main takeaway yeah. from, from, from this conversation is that, uh, you know, Make clear objectives. Be a part of the team. Do some more programming, maybe, and um, set up a vision. Set up a vision, exactly. But it, I know, guys. But now we have all instructions for the other side. What can we do ourselves? Because we have been saying that they should do a lot of stuff. This is why I asked the question. Like, yeah, we uh, have the tendency not to give this clear answer. Like, if for for non-IT people. So I think what they should do is try to make themselves part of the team 
I think we should help making them part of the team, explain that we are one and we are working towards the same goal. And like, uh, there is no wrong answers. I think we are all learning together and trying to figure out what is the best product we can build. And I think the only thing we all should be able to do is at least, uh, yeah, try to work as a team and not thinking that like, oh, if this fails, is the product owner's fault. If it fails, it's everybody's fault, right? Yeah. Like everybody falls with it. And if everybody wins, everybody should win. So I think they should try to look at it from, this is a team and we are all in the same boat and let's make the best out of it. I think that's what uh, we should help people with. Or at least change the environment to be together in the boat. Yeah, exactly. Would be nice. <clears throat> and you, Niels, do you have a final tip on the matter? On how to really I wish we would. align? I wish we, and I'm with we, I mean, really IT people, we would have more empathy also to the other side instead yeah. of struggling, you know, prevent the struggle and, and, and start doing this magnificent uh, way of working that the Uber does. Yeah. And nobody in the business gives a shit about it because. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, on that uh, lovely note, I think, uh, <laughs> I think that wraps it up for us uh, today here, roasting some marshmallows with Niels. Thanks a lot for being here. Uh, yeah, thank you, guys. Yeah. I also want to thank uh, Enhik and Anno for uh, sitting here with me in this uh, sweaty studio. Cheers, guys. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, this is the first time we actually recorded uh, together like this. So how do you guys feel about that? I'm pretty okay with it, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah kind of yeah. like it. Yeah, nice. So, uh, and I also, of course, want to thank the listener for uh, chiming in as usual. Uh, if you have any suggestions, uh, please send us an email at podcast at fourscouts.nl. Uh, maybe contact us at Twitter at uh, fourscouts. And of course, at our anchor page, you can send us a voice message. Uh, we would love it if you would actually do that one time. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we haven't had uh, that many so I will, far. I will. <laughs> yeah, nice. That would be I, cool. Me too. Oh, All right. <laughs> okay, Niels, thanks again. And see you guys later. All right, no Bye. problem.